I am Bill Parker introducing the last in our series of samples of a Cordero. With me to discuss the uh, speech are Luca Broughton from Aotea, Tamati Kruger from Tuhoe, The speaker is the Reverend Father James Durning, SM. He arrived in New Zealand in his late teens. In the 1920s, he worked for the priesthood at the Roman Catholic Centre at Pukekoraka, close to Otaki. From there, he transferred to do mission work among the Maori people of Taranaki, Wanganui, Central Hawke's Bay, and back to Horofenua. At the end of 1980, he retransferred from Pakipaki Hawke's Bay to Wanganui. For over half a century, he has worked among the Maori people, learning their ways and their language in addition, of course, to his ordinary mission work. His own statement to me is that when he went to Pukekoraka in the early 20s, he didn't know a word of Māori, but he was determined to adopt it as his second New Zealand language. He mastered it so well that he can orate on many a marae. It is said that his mastery of the language is such that when he is in Whanganui, he speaks the Whanganui dialect. When in Taranaki, he adopts that dialect, and when in Hawke's Bay, he reverts to the Kahungunu dialect. The speech which we are about to hear is one he delivered at the opening in 1967 of the Aotea Meeting House at Makirikiri on the southern fringe of the township of Dannyburg. It was a hui on a big scale, visitors coming from Hawke's Bay, Waikato, Rotorua, Taupo, Whanganui and Taranaki. The Prime Minister, Mr Holyoke, opened the meeting house. It was in his electorate. Another notable visitor on the day was Cardinal McKeefrey. Many of the Maori people of the area are of the Roman Catholic faith. The name Aotea is associated with Taranaki. It was adopted by the Ngati Tirangi Whakaewa section of the Rangitane people to commemorate a historical event of great importance. Before Pākehā settlement of the area, a number of Aotea people from Taranaki had crossed to live at an area roughly midway between Woodville and Dannyburg. After a long and peaceful stay among the Ngāti Tirangi Whakaewa, the Aotea people returned to their own tribal area. Mention should be made of the fact that the first Aotea meeting house stood at Tahoraiti, some five miles south of Dannyburg. It was a particularly large house, richly decorated with Māori arts and crafts. It was pulled down, I think, about 1960, but not before the carvings, in good condition, had been dismantled and treated chemically to ensure long life in the new Aotea meeting house. Listen now to Father Durning. (laughs) 
At the outset, I want to mention that on the day that the Altair Meeting House was uh, opened at Dannyburg, uh, 1967, at Makiri Dannyburg, 1967, the speakers had all been Māori. Suddenly, about number eight speaker, I think, uh, Father Durning uh, stood on the marae, walked towards the microphone. The technicians, you know, switched off their machine, not thinking that the Father Durning was actually going to, uh, to speak in Māori to the people assembled. So they switched off their machine, and then uh, Father Durning had... Uh, had uh, spoken about three, four sentences, greeting various people, when they tuned into him. And of course, uh, we have it on the first line, I'm not too sure who he's referring to there, whether it's Wudemukini uh, Tewewe, or uh, one of the other chiefs from around the territory. Well, later on, Bill, he, he does greet uh, uh, somebody he, he addresses at the Arik. Yes, well, the context of that makes it crystal clear that the that Te Ariki, which is the Maori Polynesian term for high chief, was his eminence, uh, Cardinal McKeefrey the first New Zealander, of course, to uh, be promoted to that position. You see the translation of what he says, Your Eminence, this is your humble servant, come before you, itene haura this hour. Who is uh, the person he, he names uh, Nireaha? Nireaha? was a very, very well-known person of the Dannyburg area. Um, he's a, a high chief in his own rights. He was a very erudite elder, and he became nationally uh, known for initiating the preparation of a famous case on the Treaty of Waitangi for submission to the Privy Council. Now, had he succeeded uh, with that case, you know, New, New Zealand may have taken a, a totally different turn. Um, his full name was Nireaha Tamaki. Of course, that was a big tangihanga. You see, it's quite implicit in, uh, in, in his statement here mm. that the uh, Roman Catholic bishop uh, went to Nireaha's uh, tangihanga funeral. The reference to Dungamate, to the dead, it's clear just by reading the words and listening to the recording of the speech that the speaker 
um, was conforming to the usual uh, form, giving hoi kōrero in Māori. It's not just someone who's just uh, picked a few words up and learned it off uh, off by heart. He refers to Nga Mate o Ia Marae o Ia Marae aere aere aere. I think one of the questions that uh, people would be interested to hear answered is why do our people refer to the Mate so much? As a race, as a race, we emphasize the links between the past, the present, between the dead and the living. And uh, if we go back to pre-European times, the deceased was brought onto the marae and placed on a temporary platform. And they trust him, trust him up in a sitting position. They never closed his eyes. There's the deceased sitting on the marae, looking at proceedings. He's sitting up, trussed up, and his eyes are open. And it has been Maori custom to address the, the deceased person as though he were alive. Uh, wherever you go, you find this. They address the dead person as though he's still, he's, he's still alive. And if necessary, they, pay, they may make derogatory remarks about him. For instance, now if he happens to have been responsible for selling certain ancestral lands, well, they'll just let go and uh, the poor deceased will have to take it. It's part of the Maori way, um, sometimes of paying an, uh, uh, an old score, sometimes in the, in the, in the sense of uh, elevating him, mm. you know, as a, as a true rangatira. Depends on the type of person that... Uh, he was. In, in uh, pre-European times, of course, the, uh, where the, the body was seated was burnt afterwards. Mm. That is to cleanse all the tapus associated with the deceased. There was also perhaps uh, the belief that, uh, the Māori belief, that life uh, on earth was always uh, partially influenced by the dead and by the spirits, by the ancestors and the gods, and that uh, man was not in full control of, uh, of, over his life. And uh, when one goes on the marae and there's reference to the dead, uh, there is this admission that they are always present and well, always affect the, the lives of those who are there. Well, in many of the uh, uh, speeches on, on the marae, uh, the dead are summoned to, mm. to be present and you find great emphasis on uniting the living with the dead and it's a constant theme the the reunification of the living with the dead mm. and of course uh, as a race um, I suppose we are more mindful than most other races of our links with the past certainly most mindful of our dead Always. I suppose the use of tauparapara in, in certain circumstances uh, is connected to that, where uh, one can use a tauparapara to call upon your ancestors to inspire you, and, yeah. or in, in order to identify yourself with a particular tribe or genealogy line. On uh, several occasions, 
have stood up and said, e kui ma, e koro ma, i te pō maranga, maranga, maranga. Mm. Yeah, that's an example of summoning the dead to be present. In, in the karanga, the calls are welcome on, on the marae. There's frequent references to, to the dead. And also the call to the dead to arise and, and be present in spirit okay, to participate well, well, well. Mm. in the activities of, of the day. I think that's where the, the richness of, uh, of things Māori lie because the present generation never isolate themselves from their past. Mm. I mean, some people, on the other hand, may look uh, critically at, at us and say we're too uh, tied with the past. But... Uh, that's the way the Maoris like it, and uh, that's how we're different from other races, and uh, being different from other races is, uh, is an important thing. Mm. Life would be hellishly dull if we were all the same. I like the um, reference to sacrifice, the human sacrifice, um, where the speaker says that if it was, uh, it was in the, the old days, a uh, person would be killed. Mm. And uh, placed under the new house, and with Steve Watton's death, he sort of um, uses this as if uh, he means that Steve Watton is mm. has been provided as the sacrifice for the occasion. Yes, yeah, Steve Watton was member for the Eastern Maori electorate, uh, an aristocrat of the Ngāti Maru people of, of, of Thames. He was a big man physically, uh, holding down a very important job. On that day, almost the very hour that, uh, that um, Father Durning were, was speaking, preparation were being made in, in Pitoni to, uh, to bury Steve Watton, mm. and hence the relevance of his... Uh, of his proverb, Kamate Kaingatahi, Kaura Kaingadua. Literally, one house falls or crumbles down to give strength, life to another. Mm. It's one of those Fukatoki uh, that if you read the surface meaning, it means that uh, if you're a man of influence, you leave one home, you're bound to find another somewhere else. But it's not as easy as that. Mm. And the underlying meaning is what Father Durning gives mm. here. That you pay mm. for the privilege of life here on, on, on this earth. Mm. And uh, the deepest significance of it is that you get nothing for nothing. Mm. That in this case, a meeting house that is the symbol of tribal solidarity, the symbol of tribal identity, um, has been built, and the implication is that Steve Watten has been the person sacrificed so that man can enjoy the community, the public amenity that is the meeting house. <laughs> Tāngata te a kapatua. Ko tīmu ātini tēnei, kei te takot, i rungi tōna marae, i ponek. Ki aritia i tawa whakatewa, rāmati kāengata, 
After that, uh, he goes in to d- discuss briefly uh, the significance of a, of a house, in, or of a marae in this case, and he, he talks about it in, in terms of that he greets the house and sees it as uh, an embodiment of the traditions of those people, you know, a uniting force uh, for, for the local people. I think that he used the terms tēnā koe te whare herenga i ngā kupu o ngā mātua. Kei roto iā koe o rātai wawata. Meaning that greetings to you, the house, uh, the place of the traditions of the ancestors uh, in which the hopes of the people lie. The uh, other expression about a meeting house, te whare whakairinga kōrero. Mm-hmm. The house that carries the traditions, the folklore, the myths, the legends, the genealogies of a people. We get down to uh, Tafiao. Thus fulfilling Tafiao's statement, whatever, uh, whatever the differences in the colors of cotton, there is only one hole through which to insert them. It's uh, uh, a, a Maori way of emphasizing uh, man's quest for unity. unity. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's implied here the importance of racial unity, of intertribal unity. You see, the, uh, immediately he disposes of the, uh, or he comes to the end of, of the whakatauki uh, or uh, saying, he addresses Ngāti Mutuahi, Ngāti Pakapaka, the whole of the Ngāti Rangitāne people directly. No te te Yours is the honour on this day. Great is my praise, great is my praise. Well, the praise, of course, is for, uh, you know, uh, calling the peoples together. And, of course, it is Ngāti Mutuahi, Ngāti Pakapakarangitāne marae, and it is their house. But they are the ones responsible for calling us all together. Where would the influence have come from for Father Durning to use these uh, waikato saying? To understand it all, you've got to, to remember that Father Durning has spent 50, 60 years sitting with the old people. When you sit with the old people, these are the sort of statements they make. And knowing the man himself, he, he, yeah. he was very interested in the old sayings. He, he can quote quite a, quite a few. David and many others. And Maori people love to quote the sayings of the seers of old. In this case, they're the homespun philosophies of Pototau, uh, and uh, people still quote them today. Mm. They're expressions of the eternal values. 
that are common to all mankind. I wonder how, how Bill, how Māori's regard uh, uh, Parker's speaking on, on the marae. Because uh, I notice in, in Father Durning's speech uh, the applause uh, at the end. Well, let's put it this way. It's not any Māori who is welcome to speak on the marae. It's a position that you aspire to and only scholarship proficiency would make people, you know, warm towards you. There's, there's trial and error, and there are occasions for the aspiring uh, public speaker to practice the small meetings, the family meetings, and so on. But when you in a situation where there are so many, well, let's say the big guns of other uh, uh, tribes are present, you really got to be tops mm-hmm. to take your place in, in that company. Well, Father Durning, through long association with the Māori people, has become an acknowledged speaker on the marae. You know, he's, he's deserved uh, his promotion and his acceptance in Māori circles. I should emphasise the point that Father Durning himself told me that he was a mid-teenager when he reached New Zealand and was placed at the Roman Catholic Centre at Pukekaraka in Otaki. At that stage he knew no Māori. And his statement to me was this, that at that point of time, now I'm, I'm, I'm going back to the 1920s, the language of the Māori people was Māori. Only a few were bilingual, but most of the Māoris living in Otaki in the, in the 1920s were Māori speaking. And he added that God blessed him with a very, very musical ear. Because I, I asked him once what books he used to, to uh, learn his Māori. He said, I, I never use books. He said for the first five years he just sat at the feet of the, of the old people of both sexes and just listened to them talk. Yeah, you can certainly detect his love for the Māori world within his uh, whaikōrero, where at the end he, he says that too many people go out and seek for wealth and for Pākehā education and forget about uh, the traditions and the, and the taonga of their own people. And, he, and at that, uh, in his whaikōrero he urges people to come back and seek uh, their, the riches of their tradition. He is speaking from the heart. You know, he's he's spent uh, so much of his uh, life with the Maori people that when he's speaking, he's thinking as a Maori, he's feeling as a Maori. Well, you may be wondering why this has been selected as a sample of a speech in a Maori setting. The reason is this, that... uh, uh, over the last 30 or 40 years, the Māori language has given way. I mean, in some areas now, very little Māori is spoken. And uh, with the shift of the Māori people from uh, the country areas to, to the towns, well, the effect of the situation is that very few, uh, very little Māori is being spoken in the homes. And I thought having a 
A. Faikorero, a speech by Father Döning, may be an inspiration to those Maori people who feel the urge to learn but hesitate because they think it might be too hard, it might take too long and so on. And uh, for me, Father Döning stands out as a shining example of, of dedication, motivation, consistency. You know, he's, he's made it a lifetime study. Tena